0: Welcome to the Guts Church Podcast. My name is Kennedy Shear, and thanks so much for joining us. Today, we have a great word from my dad, Pastor Bill Shear. If this ministry has changed your life, will you let us know? Send us an email to storygutchurch.com. You know, I remember I, I was a, I'd been a Christian about a month, and uh, I got to hear TL Osborne. He was from Tulsa here, but I got to hear him speak, and I'd, I'd never heard anybody speak. Like he like him he he led more people to the Lord face to face than anybody in the history of christianity I mean just uh, just an amazing man of God, and um he got finished speaking, and I remember just being in awe of how and what he said and the way it was delivered and and I'm sitting in the back of the room, he got finished speaking, he came down off the stage, he walked down the aisle, walked right up to me. And his face was this close to me. It was like, it was a little awkward. And there were a lot of hundreds of people there. And he, he said, you can never really trust someone until you see them mad. You know, I'm 22 years old, brand new Christian, in a Christian environment where it wasn't, I didn't fit in. You know, I was like, I was like Sandy was when, on our honeymoon, we're in Hawaii, and we give us a loaf of bread, and we go out in the water with a snorkel, and, and we're feeding fish, and, and I'm under the water, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like 26 or seven, however old I was when I got married, and I'm, I'm like Jacques Cousteau was a the deal then, and I'm, all these huge fish, and I'm down there with these fish, and they're eating out of my hand, and I hear this muffled screaming, and I turn and look, and it's Sandy. Somehow her bag opened up and there's all this bread floating around her and she's trying to get all these huge fish away from her and she's under the water. They were huge. And um, she's over the say They were huge. And, um, and she's trying, she's, but she's under the water and, I could, and I'm under the water. And, I'm, and that's how intense she's, and she still screams at me like that. But I could hear her. And, but that's how I was. In a lot of big Christian settings as a new Christian, I'm just going like this, just trying to get all these people away. Well, he comes up and he says, you can never really trust someone until you see them mad. And I thought, huh. And somebody came running up to me and said, dear God, what did he say? What did he say? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> what the heck does that mean? But let me tell you, I've kept it in my heart. It, it, it affected my life. Just that one simple statement. And, and I want you guys to know that when the... The, the, we, we all know, like, spiritual warfare now is so real with everybody. And the Bible says, though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. Because the weapons of our warfare are carnal or worldly, but mighty unto God for the pulling down of strongholds. See, so, so now it's all about the strongholds trying to attach themselves to our lives. That's what, we, what, we're, what we're dealing with. The function of the church is to have you ready for whatever the world throws at you. You know, a few years ago, two or three years ago, the, the election cycle put everything in turmoil and then the, the pandemic did, and then it's like, dear God, what are we gonna do? And, and some of it caught, um, it caught all of us off guard. It caught the church off guard. And as a, as a leader, you know, Sandy and I take this very serious. We're very serious about leading this church. And the last thing that people committed, core committed, even congregational people in the church need is a leader that's unaware of things that are around any corners. And, you know, we, we can't really predict things, but it's interesting. I listened to some recordings of things before the, the election and before the pandemic, and it was like the, the summer of, before those, whatever year that that was, and it was almost predictive of what it was going to happen. So I believe this, and you can write this down. The, the baptism of the Holy Spirit gives us innate abilities, listen, to be forewarned and therefore forearmed for whatever we're going to face. And a function of the church is to get us ready for whatever the world's going to throw at us. Because they're, they're not going to stop. I'm telling you, the prince in the power of the air knows the, knows the authority that we walk in. And we're in a church that, man, we put a premium on the authority of the believer. That you have what you say. And people will say, well, are you a name and claim it guy? It's like, well, heck yeah, I am. Because I eat good, the fruit that comes from my mouth. I'm, the, I'm gonna claim God's promise over, over everything in my life. It's not about name, it, name and claiming stuff. And I'm gonna get into that in about 15 minutes. But On Wednesday nights, we're going through the book of Romans. We went, in August, we went through Ephesians. The beginning of September, we started going through Romans. The Romans is split into four categories. The wrath, it starts off with the wrath of God, where it's like, oh my gosh, last Wednesday night, with any of you guys have ever been in kind of a fist fight or a street fight or something? They last like 15 seconds, 20 seconds. This was like a 40-minute street fight that, that, it was like, oh my gosh, I was out of breath. It's like, I got to go sit down somewhere. This is, this is crazy. But because Paul opens up his communication with the church at Rome with the wrath of God. And see, I think people mistake that because of religion. And when I say people, I mean probably over 90% of people have no idea the true definition of the wrath of God. The wrath of God is not God's index finger and lightning shooting off that finger and zapping you. That's not his wrath. The wrath of God is okay. That's what you want. That's what I'll give you. Yeah, that's what you want. You you've you've you pressured me into this, and that's what we do. We pressure God. You know, you'll think, well, you know, the the, the Israel in the Old Testament was just a series of failures. It's a history of failure. And, and they, man, they wanted, they wanted to have idols. Everybody else gets idols. We want idols. God, Dad, everybody's doing it. Man, why can't I do it? It's not that big a deal. You know what God did? He gave them 70 years of captivity in the capital of idols, Babylon. They wanted a king. God, God gave them Saul. They wanted the law. God gave them the law. They couldn't, they couldn't keep it. All the law did was condemn them. But, doggone it, they want the law. See, understand the fallen nature that we have that that's, that's the biggest thing we have to overcome, is, is we, we, get what we, we get what we want. You are sitting here today, even if it feels like your wife or your mama drug you here, you're sitting here today because this is where you want to be right now. And when we get into sin, that's, we're there because that's where we want to be. See, understand that. We've got to get over those kind of things that are about our old nature. See, but it, kind of a shameless plug for Wednesday nights. This Wednesday night, we transition from the, from the wrath of God to the grace of God. And it's going to be very appropriate in all of our lives. But And that's 6.30 Wednesday night. But um, there's three words that came out in the third chapter of Romans, and it was justification, redemption, and propitiation. Uh, the justification factors into this. This message today that justification, what it means is justified, never sinned. See, we're justified in Christ. Me trying to impress people is futile. Me trying to be accepted of people is, it, 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 it'll just wear you out. So, what did God do? God justified us, and we're justified by faith. Because I trust God, I'm justified. And I trust God because of the power he's given me, the grace that's on my life. There's some people that are in this room right now, you're trying to push away. You're trying to fight off this life of faith. But let me tell you something. Once the power of God is operative in your life, you might as well just cave. You might as well just relent. You might as well just say, okay, listen, I'm going to trust you, God. And, and, but then it gets a point where it's like I started trusting God. I don't trust anything else anymore. You know, back in the pandemic when it first started, man, trust the science, trust the medicine. It dawned on me, it's like, wait a second, all my trust goes to God? I don't have any trust for them. I'm not going to put my trust in science. I'm not going to put my trust in medicine. I'm going to put my my trust is in God 100%. See, we've got to be all in people for the gospel to work in our lives. But justification is just as I'd never sinned. It's like, wait, but I know I have. So we try to argue with God, and let me tell you, the Bible says that God takes our sin and throws it into the sea of forgetfulness. God forgets your sin. God, we 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 become identified with Christ to the point where we're hidden in Christ. You know, it's interesting because there's terms the world is using that man we want to we socially we want to go on the attack identifying with different genders or different animals or different things. Let me tell you, we've been preaching identification in Christ for decades. See, the world's just trying to pervert it a little bit. Man, I want to enter into that conversation. I want to, I want to you know, it's, it's the, the idea, if we're doing our jobs, I, I remember back in the 70s and 80s, they, 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 they're taking God out of schools, they're taking prayer out of schools, so terrible they took prayer out of schools. I need them to teach them how to read, how to write, how to, how to add and divide and subtract and, and language skills. I'll take care of the faith part of it. Yeah, but what if Hindus get up and pray? Let them. I'm not kidding you, if I'm, if I'm raising Taylor right, if Taylor's raising Charleston and Tripp and Delta and Doc, if he's raising them right. Man, let me tell you, the, the, man, a, a Muslim or a Hindu could get up and pray. There's no power in it. There's no life in it. See, get over yourself. We're the ones with the power. We're the ones with the authority. We're the true believers in the living God. So here, let's here, let's go to the Creator of life today. You guys ready? Turn your Bibles to Matthew six. Matthew 6, starting at verse 25, therefore, this is Jesus, therefore I say to you, don't worry about your life. Stop right there, underline that, highlight that, don't worry about your life. How much of your life at this point have you you devoted to worry? And it goes, can you add anything to your stature by worrying? No, you're not going to grow, you're not going to develop, nothing's going to, all it's going to do is tear you down. And you have to understand, every bit of the world, every bit of the narrative of the world is laced with fear and depression and anxiety and worry. So here, what does Jesus say? Don't worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, what, what, what you're going to wear, what you're going to put on your body, what you're going to put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? You're like, oh, yeah. See, My life is best lived in God's Word. I've realized that. I'm not going to live by any other information. You'll say, well, we can't be closed-minded about it. I am. I I really am. The doors and the windows of my life, of of the narrative of the world, factoring in my life, those days are over. Okay, so Matthew 6, 31 then. Therefore, don't worry, saying... Whenever you're tempted to worry, we all are. Stop talking. (laughs) Clench your jaw. Don't, press your lips together. Don't speak. When you're tempted to worry, so what does Jesus say? Don't worry saying, what shall we eat and what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the, the godless human beings, the Gentiles, after everything that they seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need those things. God knows you've got a truck payment. God knows you have a mortgage. God knows you want to feed your family. Man, God knows you want to give gifts to your kids on, on their birthdays. God knows all these things. Just like the Gentiles are going after those things in ways without God, we don't go after those things at all without God. God factors into all of it. In verse, verse 33, Matthew 6, 33, Jesus says this, but, here's where he starts talking to him now. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that the, the godless are seeking, they're going to be added to you. I'm telling you, you guys have heard me say this before, but it dawned on me many, many, many years ago that everything in my life that I value came to me. Everything in Pastor Sandy's life that she values has come to her. We haven't had to go scour the earth for anything. I mean, I'm telling you to the nth degree. So if everything we value comes to us, what are we going to worry about? Seek first. Remember, we could cross-reference taste and see that the Lord is good. Because what, what that is, and that's cross reference with the woman at the well. And Jesus said, no, no, if you knew who was asking you for a drink, you'd ask me for a drink. Because I'm offering something that you'll never thirst again. See, that's the trust that I have in God. The trust that I have in God right now is like, wait a second, whatever I need in November or whatever I need in 2023 or 2024 or 2025, it's all going to come to me. That's how God does it. I personally believe the way God does anything is the way he does everything. God's consistent with his character and his nature. Man, I know God now, I know how God, I know no, there's people that say, well, you never know God, hold it, I do. And you don't have to say that to somebody that says, well, you never know what God's gonna do, but let me tell you, if you go to church here and you're committed to the word, you know what God's gonna do. Man, if you get symptoms and there's disease or there's illness, God's a healer. If you're without something, God's a provider. If you feel vulnerable, God's your protector. To the point where the Bible says God's our rear guard. Notice that the whole armor of God's all on the front side for us to be on the offensive. It's like, what do we do if the enemy comes? He can't stab us in the back. God's our rear guard. God's going to take care of that side. It's things we can't see. We all have blind spots. In verse 24, the Bible says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, which is what's happening today, and does them, I like him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, vehemently beat on that house, and it didn't fall, for it was founded on the rock. See, now listen, because this is, this is, Jesus is not talking about houses here. He's talking about lives. But everyone who hears these things of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The same rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house, and great was the fall of it. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them, now listen, as one having authority, not like the scribes. Now now listen to me. There's a lot of, Paul refers to it this way. He said there's a lot of teachers out there, but not many fathers. A lot of scribes out there preaching right now. A lot of people predicting things. A lot of people Everything we live by. The, the only reason, honestly, you should make this your church and this your church home is because of the premium on God, of God's promise that we put everything on. I'm just telling you. See, the bottom line with this is Jesus said, You're either for me or you're against me. He was the Word made flesh. We're either for God's word or we're against God's word. See, and understand what the role religion plays in this. In Hebrews, the 12th chapter, the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside, listen, listen to the the verbiage here. Let us lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily ensnares us. And let's run this race with endurance as one who wins. But listen, it says, lay aside. Like if there's something heavy in your life, which all of us have heavy things, we're not designed to carry them. The Bible says, cast your care upon the Lord, for he cares for you. Why? You're not built to carry it. See, the world is trying to, Man, the world is is, is baiting us with so much fear to get us to a place where now I question my mental health and maybe I'm in depression. And I'm not saying those aren't real things in people's lives, but there is a way to combat it. There's a way for you to avoid that in your life. You've got to avoid it. And let me tell you. If you put your mind, the Bible says, "Keep your mind stayed upon him, upon his word, his promise. Keep your mind there. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the very the issues, the essence of life." Man, it's like it's like every 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 situation, everything. See, God graces us generally. God gives us all his grace, and his grace is sufficient. And then God graces us individually and specifically and situationally. Right now, if you've got a business deal, God's gracing you for that business deal. Right now, if you've got symptoms in your body and you're seeing a doctor, God graces you for that. Now, that, now you're, not, you're not coming into a situation weak and timid and, man, I hope this works out. No. Man, I'm telling you, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher, the architect and builder of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and then sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let me tell you, you have an architect of, in, in your life. You've got a builder in your life. And, the, and, that, and it's Jesus. It's his word. Man, his word is the plan for my life. He's the architect. And let me tell you, man, those, the, 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 the architectural drawings for life that the Bible gives us are specific. I'm telling you, every, every I is dotted, every T is crossed. In Joshua, the first chapter, God looks at Joshua and says, let me tell you something. You and Caleb are all I have now. So he says, listen, it seems insurmountable. So what does he say? Be strong and of good courage. For to this people, you shall divide an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. See, that's what we're doing here right now. Right now we're breaking the bread of life and your inheritance is getting doled out to you. Greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. Do you understand that this isn't just jargon? This isn't a a narrative coming off the stage. It's life to those who find it. It's health to all their flesh. Only be strong, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do all according to that's written in the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't turn from the right hand to the left hand that you may prosper wherever you go. Listen, that you may, be, may prosper. Do you see the responsibility you've gotta take? So you know what religion can say? Well, why didn't God do it? Well, I guess God allowed it. No, you allowed it. See, nobody wants those apples. Man, the things, let me tell you, you're here because this is where you wanna be. You're gonna to go to lunch where you wanna to go to lunch. That's why the Bible says, choose this day whom you're going to serve. You're going to serve yourself. You're going to serve your own appetite. You're going to serve your friends. You're going to serve serve people that are trying to control you. Are you going to serve God? Let me tell you, you give people an inch, they're going to take a mile in control. They're going to try to control every thought you have. They're going to try to control how how you think about yourself. Are you kidding me? That's why the Bible says, we're like men who look in a mirror. And see who we are, and then we walk away and forget what manner of man we are. And you're tempted to worry, and you're not standing in front of the Word, you're not standing in front of that mirror, you walk away and go, no, I know who I am in Christ. God is faithful to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I can ask or think, according to the power that's in me. How much power is in me? A lot more power than anything that's going to make me worry. See, it's bold. It's, it, it's courageous. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You've got to speak the word in season and out of season. That you, that you meditate in it. You don't just meditate on it. See, well, yeah, I'm, I'm pondering this. I'm thinking about it. What are you doing? No, you know what? I meditate in it. You know what this is like? This is like baptism. The way God does anything is the way he does everything. He immerses us in his word. So we've got to immerse ourselves in the word that we do all that's according to what's written in it. For then, this is huge, for then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. All you got to do is make the play. God's going to put you in the right position. you got to make the play. Have I not commanded you to be strong and of good courage? Don't be afraid or dismayed for the lord your god is with you wherever you go can i can i can i bring this specific to specifics in your life you're bringing the force of heaven with you see a lot of times when jesus referred to hell it was gehenna and when he the Sermon on the Mount, he referred to hell. It was Gehenna. That was the that was the dump that they burned, and it was smoldering all the time. People would take their trash. When Israel had child sacrifice, they would take babies to that to Gehenna. Animals that died, they took it to Gehenna, and they burned it. So it stunk of death. Well, that's how Jesus referred to the life of hell that the, that we get outside of Him. See. God's with us wherever we go. God calls us to our purpose and gives us life to even dead or dying areas. And you'll say, well, give me scripture reference for that, right? We serve a God who calls those things which be not as though they were. That's our purpose and gives life to the dead, We can't quit. We're winning. (laughs) This isn't, no, let me tell you, you go to Vegas, you get on a winning streak, and I walk by that table, you're winning, you got all your chips, you know what I'm going to tell you? Quit while you're ahead. Get out of here. They're going to take it and everything else they can get from you. But you know what? This isn't. The casino of God. This is the casa of God. This is the house of God. If we don't quit, we win. You are winning. You're not about to quit. And let me just tell you, I need you guys to help me. I need you to to, the people you're connected to in this church. Don't let them quit. Keep track of people, get in their business, get in their kitchen. Again, Paul said, know those who be in labor a month. That's an intimate knowing. Is your life right with God? Is Jesus the Lord of your life? You know, I, I, I spoke to a man Friday night. Sandy and I went out to eat with Golden and she brought Kennedy and Dawson with her. And we got finished eating and they got up and left and I was sitting there by myself cuz I had to pay. It's what it fellas that's where it goes. But I was sitting there and a guy came and sat down by me and I'm like, "Well, hello." at my table. He said, Are you Bill Sheer? And I'm thinking, Well, let's go any number of directions. Because <laughs> maybe some places I'm not as loved as here, but let's roll the dice. Since we're talking about gambling so much today. He said, No, in 1991, you came to River Lanes and you sat down by me and a group of my friends. We were bowling and drinking. I was 19 years old. and... He sat by me and told me that God's hand was on my life and that God had so much more for me and that God had a plan for my life. And he said three or four other things. He said, I've never forgotten that. He said, now it's all these years later. He gave me a business card, runs a big business here in town. But I left there thinking, you know, it's been over 30 years of... And, and it only works, listen... When our lives are built on the foundation the rock of Christ Jesus because the curb appeal for a house built in sand is probably better than a lot of houses built on rock but let me tell you we're built for the storm man what are we gonna do it doesn't matter doesn't matter what the world throws at us I made a decision a couple years ago we're never shutting down again and you'll say oh praise God man that's a political stand it's not it's because in 1979, I didn't like church. I didn't fit into church. The music was terrible. The people there were weird. The whole thing, I didn't fit in. It was just, it was bad news. But you know what? I made a commitment to God. God, no matter how distasteful this is for me personally, I'm going to be here every week. Well, I made a commitment. So I'm going to be here every week. I'm not shutting down. Well, what happens if there's 20 inches of snow? I'll find a way to get here. And hopefully, if you find a way to get here, too, you can come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. Is your life right with God? Is Jesus the Lord of your life? That's all that matters right now. I want to pray with you, and I want to pray for you. If you need to get your life right with God or make Jesus Lord of your life, would you put your hand up right where you are? I'll, I'll deal with, with you sitting right where you are. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Just raise your hand. God bless you. Anybody else? Just raise your hand. You say, I want to make Jesus Lord. I want to get my life right with God. God bless you. Anybody else? Just raise your hand. Please. God bless you. Anybody else? Just get your life right with God. Because let me tell you, the reason you're raising your hand is because God's showing himself real and alive to you. And you might think, well, but I don't know. I, got, I answered an altar call when I was a junior. I don't care about any of that. I'm telling you, right here and right now, do you want to make Jesus Lord of your life? Do you want to get your life right with God? If so, just raise your hand. Is there anybody else? Please. Say, I just need to get my life right with God. Listen, it doesn't just happen. We call this an altar call. You have to answer the call. And just like the phones that rang at the beginning of the message, it's awkward. <laughs> People will look at you. But this is a call you need to answer. Is there anyone else? Just raise your hand. God bless you. Let's all pray together. You ready? Get ready. God's f- <laughs> God, I thank you. My life is yours. Your life is mine. Jesus Christ is Lord of my life and whom I trust. I thank you, God, that my life is forever sealed. I lived forever now. And God, I thank you. Hell has no dominion, the devil has no dominion. I have all the dominion of heaven because you're inside me now, God. You'll never leave me nor forsake me. I'm going to heaven. Because Jesus is Lord of my life. I will never smell the scent of hell. Because Jesus is Lord of my life. And God, I call heaven into my life in every square inch in Jesus' name. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above only and never beneath. Greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. I'm created in Christ Jesus for great works. And I'm going to walk in them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you'd like more information about the ministries of Guts Church, visit our website at Gutschurch.com.